minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Wool This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist Wool This Week. My name's Joseph Toscani. I'm hosting today's program. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au and you can also listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. And currently, there are community radio stations across Australia except South Australia. Must be something in the water there. Broadcast in the Anarchist World this week. Taree, Griffith, Gladsville, Canberra, Fitzroy in Melbourne, Alexandra, Noosa Heads, Adelaide, Chiefston in Tasmania, Alice Springs, <laughs> Alexandria. I'm just laughing. I've just noticed that the person who's put down Alice Springs on the list in front of me has put, has put that Alice Springs is in the ACT. Well, who knows? Maybe it's moved. Uh, Griffith, Gladsville, Yapoon, they're back. All right, this is the Anarchist World this week, broadcasting across Australia by the Community Radio Network. And if you wonder what anarchism is all about, simple concept, anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You kneecap them, metaphorically. You kneecap the institutions which give rulers the ability, as we see around the world constantly, to determine the lives of billions of people. And that's inequalities in power and wealth. So if you're involved in the struggle to devolve power, that share power, and the struggle to share wealth and hold it in common, well, I've got some bad news for you. You're an anarchist, whether you're admitted or not. You could be hiding in the closet. You may have an unconscious bias <laughs> as far as anarchism is concerned. But if you're involved in that struggle to uh, devolve power and share wealth, you are an anarchist. Now, why am I laughing so much? Today, I'm laughing so much today for one very, very good reason. And what is that good reason? Well, the good reason is very simple. It's very sad, but very simple. Now, I usually try not to be a shock jock on the anarchist world this week, although it's difficult not to be. But today I'm going to be a shock jock of part of the program. I'm going to use words that you would hear constantly dripping from the mouths of the corporate-owned media and, the, and to a lesser degree, the government gilded ABC. Things like fraud, sex abuse, corruption, lies, deception, cruelty. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about our friends in the Liberal National Party. Now, you all know where this is coming from. The media is a little bit of a uh, 
you know, a little bit excited about the fact that uh, a, a young woman has alleged that she was raped in a minister's office in 2019, just before the federal election. Let's not forget that, just before the federal election. And everybody's saying, how could it happen? Well, it's very simple. The Liberal National Party has form when it comes to the issues I raised before, fraud, sex abuse, corruption, lies, deception, cruelty. And I'm going to go through every one of those allegations I'm making because I think it's important that people understand what's at the heart of the Liberal National Party agenda in this country and the tactics they have used and will continue to use to ensure they're elected and re-elected. And I'm not talking about the normal lies that occurred during an election campaign where pensioners were told they were going to lose their franking credits when pensioners didn't have bloody shares, you know, to frighten them into voting for the Liberal National Party. But I'm going to talk about the way this, these parties are structured and what they sweep under the carpet and the tactics they use. Let's talk about fraud. Just in the last 12 months, or last few years, two cases highlight the fact they're willing to use fraudulent tactics to increase their vote at federal elections. Remember the sports rort. Remember that little rort before the federal election, which we're led to believe was not signed off by the Prime Minister himself, although it all came out of his office, well, I understand. Think about the fact that uh, marginal electorates were targeted with money on the eve of the election, on the very eve of the day before the election was called. And remember, it's the Prime Minister who makes a decision on the day the election is called. It's the Prime Minister's prerogative. And, you know, after the election, which they won by, I think, one or two seats, which is a pretty thin margin when you think about it, after they killed Bill, you begin to understand how important that pork barrelling was. Now, port Pork barrelling is a pleasant term to use instead of fraud. And that's what it was. Then we hear it gets worse. My hero and your hero, Mr Dutton, you know, the minister for everything involving security, the man with more power than the chief millet general in this country, well, he was found using the bushfires, that's right, using the bushfires, which ravaged large sections of the East Coast and certain parts of South Australia and West Australia, he was using that as a mechanism via which to funnel money into electorates which supported the Liberal Party during the last federal election and which, and very little appeared in the coffers of ALP hell seats. Now, what do you call that? Do you call it smart politics, as they call it, or do you call it fraud? Well, I call it out for what it is, fraud. Now, let's go to the next terminology I use, sexual abuse. Now, this woman has been exceptionally brave in coming out, but it's taken two years. 
And for two years, she was waiting for the Liberal Party, because she was a Liberal Party staffer who alleges she was raped in a minister's office by a Liberal Party uh, member. Two years. Waited for the Liberal Party to do something. I can imagine when they heard about this two years ago on the eve of the federal election, they were running around doing the best they could to hide the situation. The very best they could to hide what had occurred. Now, look, I've been a doctor for almost 45 years. And if I see somebody who I think a child has been abused in a family, I think, I don't have to have proof, there are mandatory requirements that I report the case to the authorities. And if I don't report the case to the authorities, I can be prosecuted and lose my licence to practice. I find it inconceivable the Prime Minister had no idea of what occurred until this week. It's totally inconceivable to think that he had no knowledge, that no senior members of the Liberal National Party, especially the Liberal Party, had any knowledge. And the key is not the fact that the allegation was made, The key to this case and previous cases of sexual abuse which have been brought up in the Liberal Party by senior women in the Liberal Party, the key is there is no mechanism via which this woman's allegations were taken further and everything possible was done to protect the party. No wonder two years later she has been forced to take a public stand regarding this case. Corruption. Let's move on. Corruption. I mean, corruption is a funny thing. It's not, the, it's not like Bielke Peterson used to say, somebody left $400,000 for me in a brown paper bag and I just kept it because I was happy to keep it. Corruption is much, much more than that. We have a situation where we have senior members, not just of the Liberal Party, but the National Party and the ALP, who may be working in a particular uh, field as ministers for decades. They leave Parliament, and before you know it, within a six to 12 months, they're working for the enemy. They're sleeping with the enemy. It's extraordinary. And they call that smart you know, politics. It's more about feathering your nest at the expense of the people of this country. Think about it. It's not just a Liberal Party disease or a National Party disease. It's an ALP disease. And the fact is that as far as Federal Parliament is concerned, and again, I don't don't blame the politicians because they've been elected by the people of Australia, you and me, those that vote, they've been elected. You know, and what we're electing year after year after year is career bureaucrats whose job it is to come, become a politician who have minimal, minimal exposure. And if you look at the senior members, 
not the rank and file, you know, the back benches are warming their seats and, you know, covering the seat with, you know, their uh, effluent. But think about it. It's just extraordinary how many career bureaucrats there are in federal parliament. That's why in the old good old days you'd always ask them, what's the cost of a bottle of milk? And obviously none of them would know. If they were smart, they would have said, we don't have bottles, we have cartons. But obviously you can't expect that from them. So what have you got? Cruelty. Cruelty. The Liberal National Party policies are based on cruelty. Many of their policies are based on cruelty. Think of the way the asylum seekers and refugees have been treated in this country over the last two decades, especially over the last decade. Think of the cruelty involved in keeping a family of two small children under five on Christmas Island. Think of the cruelty, and this is legislated cruelty. This isn't, you know, somebody torturing somebody in their backyard and you know, enjoying themselves. This is legislated cruelty. This is policy which has gone through Parliament, which has been pushed through Parliament by the Liberal National Party and in many cases supported by the alternative Liberal Party, the ALP masquerading as the Workers' Party. Cruelty. Fraud. Let's get back to fraud. Robo-debt. Robo-debt was not only based on a false premise, it was based on out-and-out fraud. Now, under the federal government, refunded or began to refund money when the case got to the High Court because they knew they would lose the case. It was utter fraud, which was designed to humiliate people who receive Social Security benefits. Cruelty. Look at the way people on Job Seeker, the old unemployment benefits, were treated before the COVID-19 crisis. The number of hoops they had to run through. I mean, that's cruelty. That is legislated cruelty, which is forced people, forces people to take up poorly paid, underpaid, part-time jobs. And if they do, and they last a week, they've got to wait another six weeks before they can actually access unemployment benefits. So cruelty is part and parcel of the Liberal National Party agenda. The list goes on and on. So the Liberal National Party has form, as far as I'm concerned, and all this breastfeeding about what's happened in Canberra, in you know, which is the stories that have come out of Canberra in the last 48 hours, well, it is breastfeeding. I mean, the Prime Minister, knowing when he's on a loser, when he's about to get the last horse in the race, you know, run through, is doing everything he can to deflect attention from the nature of the Liberal Party and, to a lesser extent, the National Party. This is an extraordinary situation. But ultimately, you and I are responsible. I know you may tell me I've never voted for any of these people and I never will. But I'm afraid our fellow citizens continue to vote and re-vote for these people. And they will continue ad nauseum until there is some type of effective opposition, not just 
extra-parliamentary, but parliamentary, which raises issues which are diametrically opposed to the cruelty and fraud and corruption which is inherent in Liberal National Party policy. Now, I'm not accusing individual members of the party of any of these allegations, but what I am saying is these are institutions which have grown on the very back of these allegations and continue to grow on the back of these allegations. These are institutions like the Roman Catholic Church, which was found to be grossly wanting, but are too big to fail, which continue to breathe, which continue to flourish, which continue to garner support in the community. And that support is based on the idea that we need to keep Australians divided. We need to use gender. We need to use sexual orientation. We need to use culture, language, race as cards which we can play to augment their power. And that's the problem. Not individuals, and it's very simple to point the finger at individuals. It's about institutions, political parties that are not fit for human consumption. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Well, that's the end of the, uh, you know, the uh, shock jock report because what else could I do? Just extraordinary. People just think of one thing. They don't actually look at the fact that this political party has form and it continues to have form. Let's look at something else. Quarantine. Now, I must be the most stupid human being in Australia, if not on planet Earth, possibly the universe. Now, to me, quarantine means that you set up structures, and I've been talking about this since March last year when COVID-19, you know, the SARS derivative first turned up, that you set up structures to protect the community from the spread of disease. And I'm not talking about lockdowns and border closures. I'm talking about setting up structures. Now, we are very fortunate in Australia. We live on an island. And as Mr Dutton and Mr Howard have continuously told us, we determine who comes to this country. And obviously they got very good at border protection determining who comes here and who doesn't, but not very good at uh, virus protection because we are an island. And historically, every major port in Australia had a quarantine station before the advent of uh, aeroplanes and flight between cities and continents. We had quarantine stations and those quarantine stations were normally established at the mouth of the river, the mouth of the port. And when ships came in to go into a major port, whether it was Melbourne or Sydney or Adelaide, 
and they had people who were sick on board with typhus, diphtheria, typhoid, smallpox. They were offloaded at the quarantine station where they were treated and kept apart from the rest of the community until they died or got better. That was quarantine. That is what quarantine is. So what do we do in Australia? We set up quarantine hotels in the middle of the CBD, Central Business District. And then we staff these quarantine hotels initially with private organisations which were found to be wanting. And then we staff them with people who go home at night back into the community and get on with their lives. How ridiculous. We have seen in Victoria especially breakout after breakout after breakout and it beggars belief that a few days ago we were told in Victoria that the breakout at the Holiday Inn outside Melbourne Airport was due to somebody using a nebulizer to treat an asthma. Do they really think we're totally brain dead? Obviously, it's not just about a nebulizer, it's about ventilation and quarantining people in hotels which were not meant to be used as quarantine station. And now, a year later, we have this Victorian state government talking about building a quarantine station on private land, whether it's of Avalon Airport, which is owned by Mr Fox, or whether it's at Melbourne Airport, which is owned by a private corporation, thanks to Mr Howard when he privatised this country's airports. Quarantine stations should be purpose-built. We could have done this six months ago, a year ago, not talk about it a year later, after three disasters. It should have been done a year ago, and we should have seen Commonwealth as well as state governments work together to build these purpose-fit quarantine stations to protect the community. When it comes to staffing, we should have a six-week roster. And it's very simple. If you don't want the virus to leak into the community, not only do you need a purpose-fit station, you also need to have rules in place regarding people who staff these quarantine uh, places. And a six-week roster is one way of ensuring there is no leakage through staff of the virus into the general community. That means they work for two weeks in that particular quarantine station. Then they quarantine themselves for two weeks in premises next to the quarantine station. And then if they're COVID-19 negative, they go home for two weeks. And obviously they will be paid for six weeks. And obviously they will be paid extra 
in order to be compensated for the fact that not they're not with their family and friends for a four-week period during the six-week cycle. Now, another thing about quarantining... Now, again, I, as I keep saying, I must be the most stupid human being on the, on the planet. You've got a... Let's say you've got a bowl of apples or a bowl of peaches or, or a bowl of potatoes and you notice a rotten apple and a rotten peach and a rotten or, or a rotten potato, what do you do? Well, if you want to save the rest of your apples, you take out the rotten apple. It's the same with quarantine. Quarantine is quarantine. What we're seeing is that once people are tested positive for COVID-19, and about 2% of return travellers will test positive, unless they get really, really sick, they are treated within that quarantine facility. They're not removed and treated in another section of the quarantine facility because the place is not purpose-built. Now, we shouldn't be talking about this 12 months later. This should have been done long ago, and it was never done because, as I kept saying on this program for the last year, the public health sector especially the preventative health sector, has been driven out of existence. And the less public health resources there are in a state, the worse the outcome. And the worst outcome has been in Victoria because the public health sector has been totally destroyed by successful state governments, courtesy of health departments, who have forgotten that prevention is better than cure. Now, I could go on ad nauseum, and I know you're sick of it, but I could go on ad nauseum. We're not just talking about people getting sick. We're talking about hundreds of people, especially in Victoria, dying needlessly. We're talking about businesses being closed down needlessly. And to rub salt into the wound, I found it impossible to believe that the staff at the Holiday Inn were not provided with the personal protective equipment which was recommended by the group which was set up by the state government to investigate the second wave in Victoria. Extraordinary. No wonder the virus leaked out of the Holiday Inn into the community. Fortunately, not as badly as it could, you're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Look, I'm broadcasting from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, although we're in lockdown because radio has been deemed to be an essential service. Now, I'm, as I said, I'm broadcasting from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. Our 3CR in Melbourne is a community radio station for other listeners uh, listening across the country, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. It uh, does not rely on government grants to survive. It relies on its listeners to su- su- survive. And this week we're having a, a listener-sponsored drive. And uh, what that means is that we're looking for subscribers to join Community Radio 3CR. And unlike the government guild at ABC and a corporate radio network, if you're a listener, if you become a subscriber to Community Radio Station 3CR, you do have the opportunity to elect a listener sponsor representative or subscriber representative to the 3CR.
board, the board of management. Um, subscriber fees are relatively uh, cheap, $35 if you haven't got an income. I mean, out, if you haven't got a private income outside of a Social Security benefit, $75 if you're working and $150 if you feel exceptionally generous. You get a little subscriber card and all the perks that go with it. So if you want to become a listener, if you want to become a subscriber now, right now, and I have been ordered to get 20 subscribers during the program. Well, I haven't been ordered. I've just been requested. People said it'd be nice, and I think it would be nice too. You can ring on 039-419-8377. That's 039-419-8377 and press 1. Or you can subscribe online if you're one of those people that's sophisticated. You can go to 3cr.org. Dot au forward slash subscribes. So that's www dot number three cr dot org dot au forward slash forward slash not lash. I got a bit excited there. Subscribe. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au the program is podcast if you've got any complaints give them to me joseph toscano any brickbats i'm happy to uh bat away any bouquets i'll give away so you can leave messages on 0439395489 you can go to my facebook page Joseph Toscana or Toscana for the public, YouTube, public interest before corporate interests, Instagram, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, underscore A-U, and the list goes on and on, you know. You could even write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Let's move on. Are you excited? Hmm? I was going to vomit over the uh, microphone this morning or this afternoon or whenever I'm broadcasting. It's a bit hard to know where you are, the time when you're a little locked away in a little room. But uh, I can't. I just can't believe what's going on, and uh, it gets worse. You know, everybody's excited. I've noticed you're all excited. You're all jumping up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Morrison-led Liberal National Party is taking on Google and Facebook. Yay, 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 excitement, jumping up and down. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what, what? We're idiots. What are we excited about? The only reason the Morrison-led Liberal National Party is taking on Google and Facebook is to help their mate Rupert Murdoch. He still owns 75% of the newspapers and many other media outlets in this country. Now, they need Rupert for the next federal election. The next federal election will be at the end of this year or early next year. They need Rupert. They want Rupert. Now, Rupert is bleeding. He is bleeding, and the legacy media is bleeding because Facebook and Google, in the time-honoured tradition of all large corporations, is taking content from the legacy media and putting it on their uh, platforms. And Rupert's not happy. And, he's, and you know, his representatives have knocked on Morrison's door and said, look, 
mate. Mate. You know, you can use the word mate. Mate, 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 mate. I'm not happy. These people are bleeding us dry. We're going to go bankrupt. We need your money. We need their money. So why don't you pass a little bit of legislation through federal parliament which will force them to pay for content. And don't forget, if they bring up the question of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, don't forget, in the original legislation, the Australian Broadcasting was not included. It was only after the Greens and the Alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the ALP, said they would block the legislation in the Senate with the help of the minor parties that they put in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to receive money if they used, you know, if Google and Facebook receive uh, content. Now, I don't care whether Google and Facebook uses material from the legacy media. I really don't care if they use it and don't pay for it. I mean, I've got a... I don't care. I don't care if Murdoch and his cronies and the rest of the corporate-owned media bleeds money because they're responsible for a lot of stuff that I care about. I don't care. But what I do care about is the fact that the Morrison-led Liberal National Party is willing to ride Don Quixote-like down the legislative path to get a bit of money for Rupert and his mates while doing nothing, nothing, to ensure that Google and Facebook pay taxes in this country. If there are groups that have done really well from COVID-19, more better than any vaccine company, that have done really, 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 really well and have seen their share market prices skyrocket and have seen their billions triple into, triple into trillions... Well, it's Google and Facebook. And guess what, boys and girls? They pay minimal taxation in this country legally. At one stage, they were paying less tax than I personally was paying. I couldn't believe it. They've got a turnover, billions if not trillions of dollars, paying minimal taxation. Well, somebody who's earning 100 grand, 150 grand is paying more tax than they do. So instead of chasing money for, you know, acting as some type of, uh, you know, cop, some type of uh, bounty hunter for Murdoch, why aren't they acting as bounty hunters for us, the Australian people, and ensuring that these massive profits they continue to make during COVID-19 are shared with the Australian people? That's what I, you know, that's what I'd like to see. This is just, this is a furphy. This is crap. This is nothing. We're told this is breaking, world breaking. It's huge, big. Fancy that. Fancy that. Getting money for Rupert is big news. Well, getting money for the long-suffering Australian public, well, that doesn't really matter, does it? Maybe that's a little bit harder. Want to introduce a 1% turnover tax? Eh? Transform the taxation system to ensure every time a dollar goes through their hands, ka-chink, 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 one cent goes into our hands. Not much to ask. We could raise hundreds of, bi- hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars every year. 
And if they don't want to play ball, tell them to take their bat and ball and go home. We don't want them here. We can always use another platform or create a platform. Ah, well, that's the way it is in 2021. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Vaccine Blues. You excited again? It's a big week for excitement, isn't it? Big week. The Liberal Party doing something about allegations that uh, one of their staffers was raped in a ministerial office. The fact that the alternative Liberal Party in uh, Victoria continues to follow outdated principles as far as quarantine is concerned and put the community at economic and physical danger. And the fact that we're acting as bounty hunters, tax collectors for uh, Rupert Murdoch, yeah, that's enough to make anybody excited, but it gets better. Vaccine blues. Look, I'll say it again and I'll say it again. I've got no problems with COVID-19 vaccination, none whatsoever. And as soon as my turn comes, I'm going to get it, all right? If you don't want it, that's your business. I don't care. That's your business, all right? That's your business. You don't want it, fine, but don't you tell me that I shouldn't have it, okay? But I'm really pissed off. And I'll tell you why I'm pissed off. Because as I've said continuously on this program, the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, which was set up in 1914, 1914, by the Billy Hughes Labor government, was privatised in 1994 by the Paul Keating Labor government. It was privatised for the princely sum of $2.90 a share and they raised about $290 million for the country and now shares are hovering around 300 bucks each. But what really depresses me about the COVID-19 vaccinations is the fact they've all been, the ones in the West anyway, they've all been developed by privately owned organisations which will reap the benefit. In Australia, we have the ludicrous situation, and it is totally ludicrous because, I'm going to use those four words again, because of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation agenda, which has been followed by successive Liberal, National and ALP governments in this country for the last 40 years, we now have the ridiculous situation where we don't have any fuel refineries left so we don't actually can't even refine enough oil for our own needs. We rely on ex- exports. When the COVID-19 crisis began, we didn't even have enough personal protection equipment, including hand wash for the people of this country because there was no manufacturing. It had been all offshore. Then we got the ridiculous situation on the eastern seaboard of this country. You have trouble getting gas supplies at ludicrously high prices, this is, you know, businesses, while we're the second biggest exporter of gas in the universe. Well, we're no one universe. And now we have the ridiculous situation that we paid the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, a privately owned organisation, a billion dollars to ensure 
that vaccine production would continue in this country for another decade. And we're kind of saying, well, we've got a million doses, 80,000 have turned up, we're going to inject you know, 400,000 in the next six weeks in aged care facilities and staff, and then maybe we'll inject some other people, but we've got to rely on the stuff coming from overseas. I mean, we're told continuously, and I know, believe it, not just believe it, know, that Australian researchers have been punching above their weight for a very long time, and most of our brightest researchers are snapped up by private organisations overseas because there's no state-run facility as far as, you know, like the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory in this country, which can be used not just in vaccine production but in vaccine research and research into other medical areas. Even the universities are now all, in, you know, semi-privatised as far as medical research is concerned. And we've got the ridiculous situation where you can't publish your findings if they go against a particular sponsor's uh, interests. And when you sign your contract, you sign away your right to publish as you see fit, depending on what the uh, evidence is as far as your research is concerned. We've got the ridiculous situation where large privately owned corporations now determine research in universities which are publicly funded in this country. So no wonder I've got the vaccine blues because I would have expected by now, considering the brilliance of many of our researchers in this country who do make a sacrifice and stay here because of family reasons and don't take the big bucks overseas, that we may have been able to have produced a vaccine which would have been readily available, not just for us, but for the people in the Pacific region, our Pacific neighbours, that we wouldn't have to rely on buying it, buying vaccine from privately owned and privately run organisations around the world and maybe find ourselves in a situation where we don't can't vaccinate quick enough. As I said before, it's voluntary. It's up to you. I've got no problems with vaccination. I will be vaccinating myself. Well, I won't do it here at myself. I'm not that brave. But uh, I'll ask somebody else to stick a jab in my arm or two jabs, whatever it takes. But the fact is that we don't produce it. We don't have a, ser- a publicly owned serum laboratory. We no longer have publicly owned research facilities. We have no plans for publicly owned research facilities. When it comes to quarantine, we are relying on private organisations building fit-for-purpose buildings on privately owned land. And it's as if we've learnt nothing. What's the point of having a state? What's the point of having a government if it can't provide for the basic necessities of the people it rules? What is the point? Do we want to be in a situation like Myanmar where the sole purpose of the government of the day is to ensure the pricks who lead it, the military generals, continue to enrich themselves at the expense of their people? Do we want to be in exactly the same situation that all the state becomes 
is a mechanism of control? Have we forgotten our history? I mean, when people look at Queen Lizzie and tell me what a wonderful human being she is and what wonderful people, charity, her family does, let's not forget that all these so-called royal families, dictators around the world, are there because they've been able to slaughter human beings in the name of their family. That's all it is. Their ability to have more force, have a monopoly on the use of force, and exploit society for their benefits... I mean, do we want that in this country? It's bad enough as it is. Well, we're basically corporate slaves. Do we want this to continue? Obviously, a lot of people want it to continue. I may not, you may not, but people still think that the role of government is to maintain order by holding a monopoly on the use of force. Well, have we forgotten the lessons of the revolutionary period in the 19th and early 20th century? When people said enough is enough, we want governments not only to provide security, we want to be protected from the arbitrary exercise of state power, which we are not constitutionally protected in this country, but we also want governments to run and own essential infrastructure. If any profit is made from that essential infrastructure, it goes back into the community to provide more essential infrastructure. But no, during the past 40 years when the Liberal National Party, in conjunction with their mates in the alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the Workers' Party, the Australian Labor Party, the party that took the U out of Labor and since that L-A-B-O-U-R, it's L-A-B-O-R, the party which is an apologist for the corporate sector in 2021, the party that privatised more state assets than were ever privatised by the Liberal National Party, Telstra, think about it. It goes on and on. Do we really want that? Do we really want to give away our resources? People's, this nation's first nations people's resources to a corporate sector, which pays a peppercorn rent and peppercorn taxes. Well, you know, almost a million children living in poverty in this country. I mean, now I talk about the same stuff week in and week out. I mean, we may change the topic. We may change the focus on how we approach particular issues but ultimately it's the same thing what's the role of government is it there ultimately to govern us and use the monopoly on the use of force it enjoys in order to maximise the profits of unaccountable corporations that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication or maybe all those sacrifices which were made by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, who died during the revolutionary period in the 19th century and the early 20th century, who died to force governments to take on a different role, to take on the role of providing essential services for its citizens, to take on the role of providing security, not just in terms of physical security, but economic security through the development of a social security system, a public health system, public energy, and it goes on and on. Do we really want to continue down this deregulation, privatisation, globalisation pathway, which is our bread and butter today, which is the very air we breathe, which is the milk you receive when you're born, 
only one way. We need to privatise. We need to give the private sector total control. Well, we saw what happened in Russia and the communist world when the state had total control. And we are seeing what happens in Australia and the rest of the world when the private sector is in total control. Now, I'm a great believer in a three-tier system where there is real competition, not bodgy competition between corporations, but real competition, a three-tier system, an economic system where there is a private sector, there is a state sector, and there's also a third sector, which we never talk about this country, cooperatives and collectives. I mean, you don't get rich by working in a cooperative and collective, but you can have a satisfying life. You can provide goods and services. You can have economic security. But it's all about pushing the private sector in 21st century Australia. And we are now paying the price. Let's look at COVID-19 once again. And let's look at the price we've paid over the last year. And we have paid a minimal price compared to many nations. We've paid the price of privatisation. The fact we need to rely on imports to provide the most basic necessities to protect people during this period. We've paid the price of not having a public research, a strong public research sector, which could have been at the forefront of attempts to develop a vaccine in this country and then produce that vaccine, not just for people in this country, but the rest of the Pacific region. We've paid the price of not having having a public health system which is partially privatised and a public health system which has forgotten the role of prevention. Just in case you forgot, the single most important innovation in human history as far as health outcomes is concerned wasn't the introduction of antibiotics, wasn't the introduction of vaccines, but the introduction of sewerage. In the 1890s, the 1900s, a sewerage system to ensure the diseases which occurred commonly decreased by up to 90 to 95% by the simple act of a prevention campaign based on the removal of human effluent from society. Simple. We have forgotten all these lessons and we have failed to respond to the situation in an adequate manner because the state has become nothing more than an instrument of control, an instrument which goes to the private sector constantly to provide basic essential services. And I'll keep saying on this program, every dollar of taxpayers' money which goes to a private corporation to provide a service which should be owned and run by a public facility, 40 cents is lost in administration cost and profits. So only 60 cents of that dollar goes towards doing the job it's supposed to be doing. So, look, I can come on here for another few years until I get 50 years of broadcast. This is my, my, I think it's my 44th year of broadcasting, Community Radio 3CR, and 20th years of broadcasting through the Community Radio Network. I can go on 
maybe to my 50th year of broadcasting, then I'll pull the chain. You know, we all need to pull the chain sooner or later. But I think the important thing to remember is we do have options. We do have options. And we, it's not just a matter of complaining. It's a matter of putting up alternatives and having options. I do encourage you to join public interests before corporate interests. Go to info, info at Pibsi, or just go to pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You want to join a political party where public assets are central to its uh, philosophical basis, well, go to it. You can sit there and eyes glaze over and complain, but they're not going to listen to you. If they don't even listen to their staffers when they allege they've been raped in a ministerial office, why would they listen to you? Hey, Why would they listen to your concerns? The only thing they care about is votes, and if you take away votes from them, they listen. So join public interest before corporate interests if you can. Pipsy.net. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel, Instagram, and it goes on and on. Not that I think much of the uh, so-called World Wide Web, supposedly a great instrument of organisation. Well, it's got the uh, short-term memory of a gnat. One second, it's the biggest vegetable in the world, and the next section, it's the biggest nose in the world. And the next second, who knows what it'll be. Could be your second of fame. Forget about uh, your 15 minutes of fame. It's your virtual one second of fame. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Ultimately, remember, you make the decisions, you make the difference. It's your active participation in campaigns, to change the philosophical and physical, practical basis of this country, which will make the difference. Nothing else will make the difference. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Thank you to all those listeners in uh, every state of Australia, except South Australia, which hopefully will will resolve soon. But thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week on your local community radio station to the anarchist world this week and if you want to leave a message 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 yes and you can write to post office box 20 parkville 305 to listen to the anarchist world this week next week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community radio Network. Well, who knows what we'll talk about next week. Depends what happens. So many things are happening. I'm sure there'll be things to talk about. Listen in next week. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!